the body will produce fibroblasts, the body will produce more collagen, the, and it, that will change the kind of tone of your skin mm. just by kind of upregulating those proteins, you know, you get a, a more youthful appearance. Yeah. So you're right, yeah, for for anti-aging from a cosmetic point of view, which I think is, it, I think it's so interesting and I I'm just can't wait until they switch the AIs on that are going to gather all the data and spit out the results because I was saying to my friend, I wonder if all these people who are using these face masks are not going to get Alzheimer's. Because like I said, wow. nothing is in isolation. Just because you're using a mask to stop your crow's feet, the light's still getting into your- To the brain, blood. yeah. It's still affecting your cells. Wow. It's affecting your whole body. Welcome back to Reconditioned with Lauren Vaknin. Thank you for being here in my, not mine, I don't own it, but this incredible new studio. Um, and we're gonna be doing all video now. So that's super exciting. Um, We've also got a load of exciting stuff coming up. We've heard your feedback about um, different ways to work with me and different things that we can do um, moving forward. Um, so I, I can't tell you any of it right now, but so much exciting stuff coming up that um, if you are subscribed to my mailing list, you will be updated on it. If you're not, go to my website, just press subscribe at the top of the website and make sure you're on my mailing list and you will hear all about that. And also I send really fun full moon newsletters out every month, which people love with lots of recommendations and wellness tips and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So um, make sure you are there. This episode that I've just recorded was with Sarah Turner, who I was introduced to by uh, my friend Kristen Weitzel, who has been on this podcast before. She is the world's leading biohacker. She introduced me to Sarah, said, you have to speak to Sarah. She is the resource on and the authority on red light therapy or photobiomodulation. And I am a huge red light therapy fan. I've been using it, I guess, unknowingly for about 18 years when I bought my first red lamp for the arthritis pain in my knees and my jaw. And I was using it just kind of this red lamp and I have no idea what the quality was of that um, at the time. But um, I since then upgraded my systems and I have a full body panel and I'm gonna put all the details of everything we speak about in the show notes and so make sure to head there. Um, but Sarah gives us the real insights and some stuff that I hadn't heard before about photobiomodulation, um, including how it helps. She's an expert on brain wellness. So she was talking specifically a lot about uh, neurological conditions, so Parkinson's, dementia. Something really interesting she spoke about was autism and ADHD in children and how red light therapy can help that. So if that is something that you are managing right now, which I know a lot of parents that I speak to are definitely an episode for you. We also speak about a whole bunch of other um, wellness hacks with uh, photobiomodulation and different conditions that it can help and treat. I know personally I've used it for wound healing. Um, I use it to keep myself super young. Um, and we talk about that. We talk about collagen production, immune function, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So excited for you to hear this episode. As usual, if you enjoy this podcast, please, please leave me a review. Give me a five-star rating. Um, it helps us to reach more people. And the whole point of this podcast is to be a one-stop shop, a, a hub for all things wellness and growth, not just niche subjects within that. That's what I needed when I was trying, when I was going through my healing journey. So I wanna help this podcast reach as many people as possible. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. The advice I get asked for probably more than anything else is supplements. 
Where do I get my high quality supplements? I am so particular about my supplements and I research every single ingredient right down to what the capsule shell is made of, which is why my clients trust my recommendations so much. Now, because I'm super picky, I get all my supplements from Amrita Nutrition and I found them about a decade ago because they were the only UK stockist to stock seeking health products, which were developed specifically for MTHFR. And I've stayed with them ever since because they literally stock the absolute highest quality brands from all over the world, like Moss Nutrition, Quicksilver, Apex, and so many others that I love. And I know that anything I get from them is going to be the utmost highest quality. They also offer personal support at every stage from their customer care team and in-house nutritional practitioners. So you can order using practitioner invite code Lauren, which will get you 10% off all supplements, which will be applied to every order once you've set up an account. And you can also create your own protocols once you've set up an account, which is pretty cool. And I've gone ahead and created a collection of all my favorite supplements with Amrita, which you can find in the show notes or on my website. Otherwise, just visit amritanutrition.co.uk and don't forget to use code Lauren for 10% off. Thank you so much to Amrita for supporting our mission here at Reconditioned. Um, I would love to know how you got into red light therapy and um, why your particular interest is there. Um, I got into red light therapy. Well, first of all, I got into water, structured water and using light to structure water. Um, and I was living in California at the time and I was sort of involved in the, the biohacking movement there, which was just about starting. And I was making a movie actually uh, called Supercharge Movie um, about how you structure water. And I went to see Dr. Jerry Pollock, who was using light and he was finding you could structure water. And that kind of led me on to think, well, if you can structure water, you know, our brains are more or less water. Um, what are people doing to use light on the body? And that kind of sent me down the whole path of looking at photobiomodulation as a science. I It's so funny because I was just listening to a podcast today with Gerard Pollack and I'm fascinated by anything water related. And actually, I knew you do all the red light therapy and the photobiomodulation. And I had no idea that you you were so into the water. I'm really I just it's amazing because when you say to people, I'm so interested in water, they're like, what's to know? It's like hydrogen and oxygen. Mm. No, <laughs> there is. So maybe we can talk about that in a bit. Sure. Um, the first thing I usually ask my guests is, what have you done so far today to support your wellness? Um, well, actually, I've just started doing weights very, very recently, and I've got a personal trainer. So this morning I was up half six, walking in the sunrise to the gym wow. uh, and lifting some weights. Uh, so that's that's new to me. And it was actually I loved it. And there was so much stuff I didn't know, you know. I was doing it all wrong, apparently. So, you know, that's what I've done today. I've done, I've been out walking in the sunshine too. It's a lovely day down yeah. here in Bournemouth. It's so. a lovely day in London. It's funny because I think we, like during the 80s and, you know, the early 90s, it was all about aerobics and cardio. Mm -hmm. And we're learning so much more now about the need for us to be lifting weights. And especially the older we get, 
and mm-hmm. um, and I know our mutual friend Kristen uh, Whitesell, who I have an episode here on the podcast with. She um, she's and actually that's a great episode for anyone to listen back to who's listening to this now because something I found fascinating that she taught me was um, that um, the different times of our cycle, our feminine cycle, is when we should lift weights differently. And Mm -hmm. I find that completely fascinating. So um, I and I've implemented that into my work now. So I love that you're doing weights. I think we should all be doing weights. Um, So yeah. So Sarah, I'd love to know more about how you because you've got quite a lot of um, qualifications and a great background, a great history to, to what you do and how you got into it. So I know you've just told us a little bit. I'd love to know more about your background and what brought you specifically to everything you're doing now and and yeah just everything to do with with how you came to what you're doing uh sure yeah my background actually I started off in fairly conventional science um and I started my career actually in pharmaceutical research so I was a research scientist at GlaxoSmithKline um and while I was there I was on a, a like a task force uh, a group of scientists that went around trying to solve problems that, that that came up during the research process. And one of the problems they had was with one of their inhasma, asthma inhalers in that it was depositing in the wrong sections of the lung. So we, we set up this task force, we were looking at it, and what we found was it was an electrostatic effect because of the way that the, the foil was sticking to the, the plastic on the delivery device. And I did a lot of experiments where they kind of grounded me. They put me in a lab coat with silver threads and rubber boots and all different things. And and it was very interesting because basically the electrostatic uh, that you build up in your body will affect, especially like this was dry powders, but, you know, what you're taking into your lungs. Um, And the upshot of that was they developed a different kind of foil, but the upshot for me was getting an understanding of, okay, it's actually the environment in your body that's having the effect. And probably for a lot of people who were on that drug, the best thing would be for them to go out and ground every morning and they wouldn't have had the effect. Amazing. So of course, that doesn't sell more drugs. So, you know, Glaxo weren't too interested in that theory, but it led me to go on to think, okay, I need to look at a more holistic approach to health, not just the conventional drug model, because it became obvious, you know, if it's something as simple as grounding can have this profound effect on how these medications are working, there's something to actually changing our internal environment and and to have a greater effect. So after that, I went on to study nutritional medicine because to me that was kind of the next logical step. Um, but nutritional therapy, I did do it for a little while, but I found again, that wasn't, it didn't really get me the results because again, it's just one piece of the puzzle and, and a lot of what goes on with people is is mind-based. So then I went on to study neuroscience, clinical neuroscience. Um, and from there, I started doing research into, into more alternative or fringe therapies, if you'd like to call it that. Uh, and it's that a shame that they're to... still called alternative or fringe, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, some of what I was doing was pretty fringe. You know, some of what I was doing was things like co- looking at consciousness and can you influence machines or uh, random event generators in machines by the power of your consciousness or even just by um, fields that we may be unconsciously uh, emitting? Uh, I don't think that's fringe. And actually it's coming, like we're beginning to be able to measure energy frequency. And I think that 
it's definitely becoming less fringe now but i if you think about it everything in the universe has a vibrational structure so it shouldn't be fringe at all should it consciousness it is everything fringe. and i think yeah i think you've hit the nail on the head it's whether really science you know is what you can measure right if you can measure it it's right. science if you can't measure it then it's not science well of course that's not really true because we just you know we're just at the limits of our measurement where we're at right now i'm sure in years to come we will be able to measure some of these subtle fields that are coming from the body mm. and then it will move into mainstream medicine but right now we, you know we can measure some things and not others that's just where we're at mm. yeah so obviously your um your area of expertise now is red light therapy or photobiomodulations one of the things that i really wanted to talk to you about so um, and I'm obsessed with red light therapy. Um, I have a red light panel at home. We, I used to have a lamp and then upgraded to like a portable system. And now we've got like a full body panel. And I'll put the details for that in the show notes so people can check that out. Um, what is photobiomodulation? Yeah, so it's it's a long word, <laughs> photobiomodulation. It's a bit of a mouthful. But if you break it down, it's just photo meaning light bio for biology and uh, modulation in that you can uh, change something that's happening in your body through the application of light. So photobiomodulation, the term has replaced terms like low level laser therapy or cold laser therapy, mainly because of the development of LEDs, light emitting diodes um, that are used in a lot of these home devices now. So the term photobiomodulation covers anything from laser therapy to LED therapy, like the panels, um, and it's anything that has a, a positive effect on your biology or just a modulating effect on your biology. So red light therapy is just using light in a very specific wavelength. So you know that kind of know that uh, light comes in all different colors. You know, if you have a prism, you can break light down depending on the length, the wavelength. So red light is in the longer wavelength of the visible spectrum. And then we also in red light therapy use near infrared light, which is, again, it's slightly longer still. So we can't detect it with our eyes, but it's it's close to red on, on that spectrum. So it's using red and near infrared light uh, to mainly have a healing effect. And initially, when it was first discovered, it was discovered for wound healing. Um, and then they discovered it could be used for pain. And now, because of the way the mechanism of action, we know that it has multiple uses. Uh, and, and broadly, it has a very positive effect on wellness. So that's why a lot of people like yourself have these panels and things that they use every day. And before, because I know that obviously it treats so many different conditions, not just wound healing, although it is amazing for wound healing. Before we go into all those conditions, because I'd love to kind of go into some of them individually as well. What's the difference between um, red and near infrared? Because I know the machine I have has the option for both. Um, and I'd love to for, for our listeners to understand really the difference. Sure. So, yeah, really, when we talk about colours, we are talking about wavelengths. So red light has a wavelength of around um, 600 to 700 nanometers. Um, near infrared is a little bit longer wavelength, so 700 to 1200 nanometers. Because the longer wavelength goes deeper into the body, they, they have different functions physiological, the red and near infrared light, because red light is fairly superficial, so it's used for um skin and just 
get targeting the blood vessels just under the skin and then the near infrared light can penetrate deeper into the body so then that can be used for applications like brain or muscles or joints but actually the the target receptor in the body is is the same it's the mitochondria within the cells um or actually there are you know we now know there are free floating mitochondria in the blood but basically mitochondria is where our bodies produce energy so both red and near infrared light will be taken up by that same light receptor but um near infrared light will penetrate deeper into the body so that's why a lot of these devices have both red and near infrared because then you're treating the surface and you're also getting a little bit deeper and treating that the kind of musculature too Something that has always been a bit of a challenge for me, and I know it is to most people I speak to, is fitting in the time for all the spiritual and self-development practices I want to do. You know, I'd like to meditate and do breath work and yoga and walk in nature and connect with my guides and journaling and so much more, all the things every day. But we can't do all the things every day. I'm a mum, I run a business, and even as someone who really does put this stuff first, it's pretty impossible to fit it all in. So the one thing that's really helped me over the past year is the Sensate. It is a piece of health tech that fits in the palm of your hand and it basically sends infrasonic waves through the chest to activate the vagus nerve and calm the autonomic nervous system. And you use it while playing the specially composed audio within the app, it's actually pretty genius. And honestly, at the moment, with my days being more full on than they've ever been, using the Sensate is really the one thing that I know will work on so many aspects of my well-being at once. So even if I haven't had time to do any other practices during the day, I lie down at night and I use the Sensate for 10 to 20 minutes before I sleep and it reduces cortisol levels. It calms my brainwave states. It gives me great optimized sleep. It calms anxiety. And because of how it activates the vagus nerve, it deepens my meditation. So I can kind of do all that in one go. And I also take it everywhere with me. So if I've got 10 minutes in the car while I'm waiting for the school gates to open, I can just do it then without the pressure of knowing that meditation would be a bit challenging when I'm probably in heightened brainwave states at that point. So for me generally, it's been pretty life-changing. And if what I spoke about resonates with you at all, you can get £30 off the Sensate by visiting getsensate.com and using code Lauren30. That's G-E-T-S-E-N-S-A-T-E.com, Lauren30. Thank you so much to Sensate for supporting our mission here at Reconditioned. Um, and is it advisable to have both of them on the same, to kind of have both of them going at the same time, like the red and the near infrared, if you're treating say if, if you're doing it for your immune system or for something specific just to have them both on at the same time or to choose one or the other um it's probably better to have both on at the same time just to good because that's what in. i do so i was just making sure that i'm doing the right thing yeah i mean there probably are different light receivers i mean there are our bodies are have evolved under sunlight you know, so this is why our bodies are totally covered in photoreceptors or light receptors. And actually, our blood is a light receiver. Water is a light receiver. This little tiny organelle that I just mentioned, the mitochondria is a light receiver. So if you're using um, 
different wavelengths of light. If you're using red and near infrared at the same time, you're probably maximizing the amount of, of light that your body's getting because you're covering all the different photo receivers that there may be in the body. Uh, and also you're getting the surface and a little bit deeper too. So yeah, it's good to kind of hedge your bets and yeah. use red and near infrared light together. You know, there's no reason why you wouldn't do that. Good. Okay, good to know. Yeah, you're kind of covering all bases. Yes. Getting it all done. <laughs> That's stacking right. your hacks as I call it <laughs> so I am on the red light while I am doing my meditation with my mala beads and that's why I like I stack my hacks in that way like in the same way that I used to have the red light on me when I had the lamp while I was on my acupressure mat at night so I'm always trying to do like more than one wellness thing at once because <laughs> there's not enough time to do them all there's in the day so much, I know I was going to say there's so much to do you know if you don't combine these things yeah. you know that's what you do all day and we'd never have time to work so yes yeah and the biohackers call it stacking your hacks so I think that's Thank a great you. great term isn't it so <laughs> what I'd like to go into is actually firstly I you were talking about us having these light receptors on our bodies because we've evolved mm -hmm. under the sun and in the last hundred years, we are sedentary, indoors, not seeing the sun, surrounded by artificial blue light. And um, how is that affecting us in itself, just without actually having red light therapy? Can you tell us a bit about how, how that's impacting us individually and also kind of from an evolutionary perspective? Yeah, I mean, this whole thing about circadian biology is also very interesting. Mm. And I think what happened with the advent of the light bulb, for example, you know, we all became very, very excited as a species about this kind of opportunity that we had to do things that we could never do before, because we basically had like 200,000 years of evolution without mm. being able to have light or artificial lights, really, you know, apart from fires and candles to going to be able to be illuminated and do things any time of day or night. So really the science of circadian biology is only just starting to come into its own as people start to think, okay, let there are a lot of things that have happened since the advent of electricity, for example, obesity epidemics, you know, certain chronic diseases coming to the fore, you know, perhaps this kind of change in the way that we are responding to light or not even light just other signals from the environment like you say just being indoors all the time now people are starting to look at the impact of that and actually I think it's quite profound and we're only really beginning to discover things like cl the clock gene you know how our body actually has this internal clock I mean that the Nobel Prize was given for that, I believe, in 2019. Oh, so, you know, that's how recently oh. it is that we've actually got an understanding of what's going on. Um, but yeah, we, like I say, we are diurnal mammals. We are mammals that are meant to be asleep in the night and up doing our thing during the day. Yeah. The cues to our body for that is sunrise and sunset. So historically, you know, our ancestors would have been... Um, having their day around those cues you know at sunrise because of the angle of the sun on the earth at that time you get predominantly red light so you get red and near infrared light and and you would see that through your eyes and your eyes contain certain receptors uh intrinsically photosensitive neuroganglia cells you know these again this is something that's only recently been discovered that we have these very specific cells within our eyes that respond to these light cues 
but we see the red light and that sets up a whole cascade of reactions that happens in our body, hormone production, all, all kinds of things to do with our endocrine system. If we don't do that, we miss out on all of those cues. And that potentially has big implications for our health later on, has big implications for sleep. Yeah. And then, of course, in the daytime, we're meant to be seeing a blue sky. We're meant to be getting UV light. We're meant to be making vitamin D through our skin. We're also meant to be producing dopamine. We're meant to be doing all the things to do with foraging, looking for a mate, uh, nesting, you know, all of those things that mammals would do in the middle of the day. Uh, however, we're now giving our bodies that blue light through our screens, through our phones, through our tablets. It's not really something that, you know, if you're looking at a blue screen at midnight, you're kind of telling your body it's the middle of the day. And then... What do you do in the middle of the day as a mammal? You go and forage for food. So it's no wonder people are kind of going to their fridges and looking for carbohydrates at midnight if they're looking at their screens. Wakes up the metabolism and everything, yeah. Everything, is because, yeah, because your body, your body contains little clocks that kind of tell your body what it needs to do at a certain day. Your liver does different things at different days. Your heart does different things. They're now finding that if you go to hospital, because hospitals are somewhere where, you know, your routines are set out and people are recording things, the time of day that you're given your drugs can have a massive effect for when you're discharged from hospital. Because if you give your body a drug at a time when your liver isn't functioning or it isn't doing a certain task, mm. the, the drugs is metabolized in a different way. So this whole thing about biological clocks and making sure that we entrain our clocks with you know, the big clock in the sky, that the sun or, you know, or Earth's magnetic fields, potentially it's huge. And I think this is going to be something that we're going to find out pretty soon. You know, people are going to start to be looking at this whole field of chronobiology or the timing of things, as well as circadian biology and how our bodies are set to these different cycles. I agree. I think it's a massive thing that we're getting into. I know I've, I've been talking about EMFs in terms yep. of how that affects the mitochondria and blue light for quite a while. I am massive on, um, I'm guessing you are too, on like blue blocking glasses mm -hmm. after dark. If I, I actually did a story on my Instagram about it the other day. I was working, I've got a lot on at the moment, so I was working late and I was like, listen, I don't have a choice right now because I'm just juggling everything. So I have to work late tonight. And But here's how I optimize that. And I had my blue blockers on. I had my, I've got... Um, blue light free lighting in my house so that was one thing I always laugh that like people go you're so high maintenance I'm like I got secondhand couches so that there was no more I didn't have to suffer the off gassing yeah. but I spend the money on blue light free lighting for the whole house <laughs> so they have different um different settings so at night we just have the full orange one on people walk into the house they find it super trippy because they're like, why is your house so orange? If it's at night, you know? Um, but when I'm working, I like my, anyone who would walk into my room, like what in my office? Um, yeah, but I, I'm really big on that at night. If I'm working after dark, blue blocking yeah. glasses, I'm standing at my standing desk, standing on my grounding mat. I think just, I'm just saying this because I think for anyone listening who's starting to understand the, the impact and the implications of the high levels of blue light that we're exposing ourselves to, but there are ways to mitigate it. And I think putting those practices in place is hugely important for our future health. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, so let's go into um, the kind of conditions 
that red light therapy can treat. Um, I'd love you to just tell me all the conditions that you've heard of. And then I've got a couple that I really would like to kind of get granular on. So I'm going to first of all tell you how it works, because the thing is, you know, you can start listing off these conditions and then it becomes a bit like a panacea, like, okay, it's good for everything. But if you understand what it's actually doing, then it makes more sense of why it has an effect on all of these very diverse conditions. Because as I said, red light is received by the body. So red uh, light is an electromagnetic wave, right? So in order for us to be able to do something with that electromagnetic wave, we have to convert it into energy that's used in our body. And the way that our bodies make energy that we use for daily life is through the mitochondria and it's through um, a chemical chemical energy. We use chemical energy, it's called ATP. So it's a, it's a molecule that we use and then our body can use that for energy. So light enters the body and it's received by the mitochondria and this light then enables the mitochondria to produce more of this chemical molecule ATP. It also allows, it also releases a very small local um, uh, nitric oxide, which allows dilation of the blood vessels in, in the area. Um, so you get greater blood flow, you get removal of toxins, and you also get oxygen being delivered to the area. And doesn't nitric oxide make us happier as well? It's like the, the part of the <laughs> it, yeah. I, do you know the whole thing about nitric molecule. oxide is very interesting because I've ha I've had all these talks with experts because whether or not it's nitric oxide that the that can kind of get to the brain or whether it's just a very very local burst of nitric oxide, um, I from from what I understand from. The, from the scientists who are working on this is a very local burst. So it's not like nitric oxide that's just gonna to get to your brain right. and make you happy. Okay. But nitric oxide is an amazing molecule that does all kinds of things in the body. Yeah. And it has a, a very interesting effect on our immune system. Um, and a lot of nitric oxide, this is just a bit of as an aside, is uh, produced in the mouth by certain bacteria. And so one of the ways that people reduce their nitric oxide and actually reduce their immune system is by using mouthwash when you, because you can Killing you the kill microbiome the bacteria. In your mouth. Yeah, health starts yeah. in the mouth, right? But what I found yeah. to take it back to what we were talking about energy and consciousness, Dr. Christian Northrup taught me that when you are experiencing pleasure and joy, you release nitric oxide into the bioenergetic field around you. Oh, so right. I would think, and this is just my woo-woo brain kind of going on tangents, that if the red light therapy is increasing the nitric oxide even locally in my body, I then have more nitric oxide in my energetic field to release out into the environment to make to help other people feel happy and enjoy that positive energy in my bioenergetic field. Yeah, there's so much going on, isn't there, with interactions and what you know what you're actually putting off because you yeah you what you're saying is totally plausible but also your energetic field also whether you know how what your redox potential is you know how charged you are what electrostatics you've got actually the body also releases light the body actually releases bio photons uh, and this is the work of fritz albert pop you know um, I was actually lucky enough to go to his lab. He started off looking at plants, but he ended up like putting humans in these very, very dark uh, 
rooms and using a photo multiplier and yeah we actually release light yeah. so there's so much that's coming from our bodies that we're potentially putting out into the space around us that we're not aware of yeah like when dr zach bush talks about you know during covid he was talking about how detrimental it is for us not to be hugging each other because yes. when you hug and, and he spoke about this in relation to light and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm totally like ad-libbing and i'm gonna get it all wrong but he said when you hug something we take in light from the sun which which benefits us in many ways and obviously and when we hug someone we're giving them our sun and then that energizes their cells and he said it's so detrimental for the whole of the human race to have a period of time when no one was hugging yeah we are pack animals you know we are meant to we are meant to live in groups mm -hmm. we're meant to live in tribes we're not meant to be isolated you know, I, I, I am totally there too. I mean, also oxytocin, you release oxytocin, you know, with touch. Yeah. That, that you know, there's so many things. That, this is probably one of the fundamentals of biohacking is to try and live a life which is kind of more aligned with the with the beings that we have right. evolved to be. You know, yeah. we've evolved to be outdoor pack animals living together under the sun on bare ground. And the more we take ourselves away from that, the more we kind of confront these chronic illnesses and totally. depression and all kinds of other things. Yeah, absolutely. And a friend of mine who was interviewing Zach Bush, she said he gives everyone he, I can't remember if it was 20 seconds or a minute, but everyone he meets, he gives them a hug for exactly that amount of time. Even 20 seconds, if you think about hugging, it's a long time. It's and a she long said time. he God, was meeting massive. loads of people in this thing that they were in and every person he gave them a hug for that amount of time yeah is that wow. amazing that is amazing but very awkward for English people do you know when I went to California <laughs> so I, had to, I had to get used to that it's like oh god can we not just come in with the handshake but yes that's <laughs> I love yeah, that. why not a lot of oxytocin given out there for sure yeah so let's go back you were talking about how it's actually working yeah, so I wanted, that's how I wanted to uh, preface, you know, you're going to ask me about different conditions, because if you think about that, that you're giving the body the energy that it needs to heal itself, it doesn't really matter what condition that we're talking about. You know, we could kind of list off every different condition, but if that condition comes down to needing more energy, more oxygen, better blood flow, then red light's going to help with that. So there are really not that many uh conditions that don't fulfill that criteria it's interesting because i heard something and being an expert on light as you are you might be able to um give some insight into this is that mitochondria actually work in shifts so different parts of the body the mitochondria is working at different times so actually for different conditions it would be advisable to do it at different times in the day and i'd never heard that um so i i, I wonder what you think about that I hadn't I hadn't heard about that. I mean, there are certainly papers to show that different organs are active at different times of the day. So whether by active, that means that their mitochondria are working differently at different times of the day. I haven't I would love to see if someone's got a, a map of that of the body of when yeah, they're active and when they're not. But but also mitochondria we now know that they're free floating in the body, that they're not just contained within cells, they can be. And also they can migrate to an area where there's a wound or, you know, there's something going on where you need more energy to deal with it. Mm. 
So, yeah, it's very interesting that, yeah, the different organs could be doing different things at different times of day. To my knowledge, and I would love to be corrected on this, I don't I don't know that we've got a map right now to say, OK, it's liver time at two o'clock. Right. It's, you know, it's leg time at three o'clock. I, I certainly haven't got that, but I can I think we probably will have in the future. And yeah. I think, yeah, you could maybe look at one of these circadian clocks to see when different organs are having different effects but also the body is a, is a connected system you know so kind of trying to isolate one organ and saying you're targeting that again it's a little bit reductionist because the body is systems within systems within systems everything is connected you know the body isn't just doing one thing at a time so I, I I think it would be difficult to try and isolate one body part and target it, you know. Yeah, Every, that also makes yeah. a lot of sense. I just heard it and I thought it was interesting yeah, because I'd never heard the words mitochondria work in shifts. So I thought, hmm. well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So what um, conditions, and, and I know I need to do the whole disclaimer thing. We're not, you know, yep. telling people that we can cure la 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 with red light so that disclaimer is already out there <laughs> but what conditions have you personally seen or that you know have been helped um drastically using photobiomodulation well i'm a little bit brain obsessed so i have really personally myself only really so much worked on brain health um, and that's something I have seen firsthand. I, I was involved in a study on Parkinson's disease, for example, in the States. And I was involved in data collection on that trial. And it was um, a double blind placebo controlled trial. But, you know, towards the end of the data collection, it became very obvious which of the subjects had the active treatment wow. because they they were changing. They were able to function better. They were their gait was improving. Um it was a bit of a bumpy ride, you know, it's not like these people had Parkinson's and, and then they didn't, you know, mm. actually some of the people became a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more angry, you know, different things came up for people, but it was very obvious that it was having an effect. So that's my direct experience. I've also been involved in some very small studies of people who've got um, delayed onset muscle soreness or um, various injury, sports injuries. Um, I did some studies looking at that um obviously there's so much stuff in the literature the fda have approved red light therapy for pain relief um for wound healing for improved microcirculation um neuropathic pain so there's some of the things there's so here in england where we are in the uk um there's very little red light within the nhs but actually james carroll of thor laser has managed to do some studies which mean that it is used within the NHS for um, complications for of throat cancer treatments so like all of the people who have throat cancer and mouth cancer and things they end up with some with some very nasty lesions and wounds and and things that happen in their throats and mouths and actually now that is a a treatment that is given and it's you know it's amazing and has helped a lot of people with that kind of issue. Yeah, I met James a while back and he's, um, I mean, amazing guy and his red light system is another level. He does a lot to further 
the the credibility and the research in the he industry does, he, doesn't because he put he's something like a million pounds into research or something he puts a lot of time and effort and money into forwarding the science and like i say to actually get it approved in the nhs that's not a small thing mm-hmm. you know that's a big deal um so yeah he does a lot of stuff for the industry yeah what about treating cancer and you know the the big things that people are trying to treat with i i also want to preface that i am a massive believer in i i mean it's my big one of my <laughs> my top ethos is I don't believe that any one thing ever works in isolation. Like I think the body needs lots of different things. And especially if the body is crying out with disease, we need, you know, nutrition and we need the whole range of other stuff. We need trauma therapy. We need to sort out, you know, what's going on emotionally. Um, There's a whole range of things we could do. So I just want to preface that by saying, obviously, I I don't believe that, that red light on its own, if you're out eating McDonald's every day, is going to cure cancer. But how does it work with cancer? And do you know of any, you know, have, have you heard of or seen any studies or anything where it's, um, where, where we've seen that it has helped different sorts of cancers? Sure. Well, I also want to preface whatever I say with the caveat, I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> it's annoying and we have to do that. I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> uh, so the thing with cancer is cancer is cells which are multiplying out of control. And we know that red light therapy helps stimulate cell growth so cancer is one of the conditions where most people who are using red light would be understandably cautious especially if you've got an active tumor because the red light therapy is uh, enhancing blood flow it is stimulating cell growth and so i think at the moment people it you know it hasn't been found in in a in a research situation to enhance cancer growth as far as I know however the potential is there because it is um, helping cell growth so I would never recommend that anybody uses red light therapy if they have active cancer that's so interesting because and, and this is why it's so interesting speaking to different people because from what I've heard you know red light therapy is a great tool when you're healing cancer especially if you're kind of going down the holistic route and doing all the other things yeah and i think after you when you're on the recovery phase then i think yes it, right. it is a great tool and i think people would be using it and i do know people who have used it in their recovery from breast cancer for example it's very good for the scarring mm-hmm. it's very good for wound healing it's very good for supporting the immune system i would just um advise caution with people who actually know that they have active cancer just for that, for the reason I just said right. that, you know, Interesting. We, red light therapy will speed up metabolism and, and um, I, I'm for one, I don't know what effect that would have. And there may be oncologists out there who can correct me and say, no, that's not what's happened. And also I think the more I speak to people who are involved in red light therapy in the research, what they're saying is that, that because red light has all these actually it has quite some interesting effects in that it it causes the body to go back into homeostasis so it seems you know if you have too much of something it helps brings it down but if you don't have enough it helps brings it up right. well the only explanation for that is that it's actually aiding the body itself to correct balances by giving it enough energy to do that so if you think of it from that point of view allowing the body to return to homeostasis 
it could be beneficial for people who are dealing with cancer because it's helping the body return to that functional state. But um, no, I certainly wouldn't recommend it myself personally, because I think it's best to err on the side of caution. There are lots of other health modalities you can do if you have active cancer to get you to the point where you're then on the recovery phase. And then I would say, yes, definitely. It's a good tool. Excellent. I mean, I love that you've given that advice because that was not something I knew. And I think that would be really, that, I mean, it's important. It's important for people to know that. What are, like, why should someone spend money to have a red light panel at home? Yes. Well, again, it comes back to what we were talking about, about how we don't spend enough time outdoors anymore. And I think a lot of the beneficial effects of just having a red light therapy device for wellness is that you're mimicking the sun. You know, you're actually giving the body back some of those light frequencies that uh, we just don't see anymore. And and it's huge having that red light in your life, you know, having access to red and near infrared light, it does seem to be hugely beneficial for general wellness. Mm. So things like the, the panels, they give, um, it's almost like a, a shower, you know, like a light shower. Immunity shower. Yeah. <laughs> and... and you know, there are no known side effects that have been documented. Most people say they feel better after using it. Um, we all know that we feel better when we're out in the sunshine and it's a similar feeling. Mm. So, you know, for the sake of having one of these red light devices in your home, you know, it's it's a bit of a no brainer not to not to utilize that, totally. you know, if you have access to it. I mean, I kind of I use so I use it for originally when I first got my red lamp my red light lamp about 18 years ago I can't imagine it was a very good quality one at all um, but it was red light and it felt good you know and that was for pain for when the arthritis was still quite active very active and I would just put it on my joints that were hurting for 10-20 mm -hmm. minutes and it would feel great more recently I've been using it for healing the damaged um, joint dam my damaged jaw joint but also wound healing uh, scar healing since my explant surgery and I've got keloid skin so my when I scar I scar I mean it's just I've got scars all over my body that like bright red you mm. know raised scars and yet the scars on my breasts that was only done what eight months ago seven months ago are doing really well so I definitely think for scars um and another little anecdote is a friend of mine because I use it basically just for general health and to have you know boost my mitochondria and just feel good um but a friend of mine had this ongoing cough and she was going on holiday and she said I need to come and use your red light every day because I don't know what else to do like she's really healthy really kind of like in my holistic community it's like I'm, I'm just going to come and use it every day before I go away and she did and it helped her cough so much so um how does that work literally because it's because of the mitochondria right yeah, I think a lot of it is you're giving the body the energy it needs to heal. Yeah. I think it's as simple as that for a lot of these things. You know, the body will do its own thing mm. if it's got uh, energy and time. Mm, the resources you know, the it needs. self-healing machine. It wants to return to homeostasis. It's constantly doing things to try and return to balance. Mm. So, you know, you just need to give yourself, you know, good food, good water, good light. Mm. And really the body is doing the rest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So 
another thing I wanted to ask is, is I'm conscious of how, how often I use it or how much I use it in a day. Um, do you know what? I've missed out a very important question. A lot of my audience are very interested in natural, non-invasive anti-aging. I don't really like the term anti-aging because we're all aging and that's cool. But graceful aging. So, and I know that it boosts collagen production a lot, right? Red light therapy boosts collagen production. How does it do it? And how would we use the red light for that specifically? For, for a cosmetic use, you mean? For collagen production, for kind of, you know, like wrinkles, wrinkles and lines and, and just and keeping your face looking younger than it does. I mean, you told me your age the other day and I am shocked. You look <laughs> way younger than I thought than well, you said. Thank you very much. And, uh, <laughs> yes, maybe it is maybe it is because I do use the red light, although, although I don't specifically use it for a cosmetic application. But you can buy like these cool masks you know, that you can wear and you can put one over your neck. I mean, that, and they utilize red light mainly because as we mentioned at the start, red light is fairly superficial, um, but you can get quite a high dose of red light, you know, just using these LEDs on your face and neck. And these are just devices that you use like four or five times a day for 10 minutes a day. Uh, and it is literally, like you say, it's the body will produce fibroblasts, the body will produce more collagen, the, and it, that will change the kind of tone of your skin mm. just by kind of upregulating those proteins. You know, you get a, a more useful appearance. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. For for anti-aging from a cosmetic point of view, which I think is it, I think it's so interesting and I I'm just can't wait until they switch the AIs on that are going to gather all the data and spit out the results because I was saying to my friend, I wonder if all these people who are using these face masks are not going to get Alzheimer's because like I said, wow. that nothing is in isolation just because you're using a mask to stop your crow's feet. The light's still getting into your to the brain. Yeah. It's still affecting your cells. Wow. It's affecting your whole body. So as long as they're getting enough fat in their diet, I would say that that <laughs> might have a well, because as you know, dementia is so affected by by this lack of fat, isn't it? That's uh, yeah, yeah, that's what you said. You need good food, good water, and light, and a little bit of exercise. It's so, it's so simple, but uh, yeah. again, it's a a message that we all need to hear many times. But yes, definitely. But even the light panels are good for um, the skin complexion. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have one of these fancy masks. You can use the light panels just as well. Yeah. You just need to be quite close, you know, so that you make sure that you are actually getting the light because light travels in a straight line. It's like an arrow. Mm. So if you have a device that's kind of square onto you and uh, you're quite far away from it, a lot of the light will just bounce off. Right. The best thing to do and why people use the masks is have something that curves or contours to your body. Uh, okay then you're getting the full dose of the light. Right. If, you know, you're trying to direct it onto your face or onto your neck. And is there a time where, is is it dangerous if you get it too close? Is there kind of a, an amount of inches or millimeters that it, you should keep between? Because I know we, ha so we have our panel over like a massage bed. So instead yeah. of having it upright where we sit in front, we lie underneath it. So, and we kind of kept adjusting the height to make sure that it wasn't too close. Um, but they wasn't too far away. So is there is there a specific measurement that you recommend? It the the dose of light that you get very much 
which depends on the output of the device that you've got. So, but also the distance that you are away from it. So I always recommend having it as close as you can possibly stand. You know, right. I mean, like if you, we were talking about James Carroll, I mean, his big bed, you you actually lay on it. You know, you're actually laying on it. And like the device that I've developed, you know, you're pushing the LEDs up onto your skin and you're pushing the pad flush totally to your skin. So you want to have the device as close as you can possibly stand it. But if you've got a very high output device obviously you know you can have it a little bit further away so it's all about how big is the device how much surface area you know what is the wattage output and um how is it contoured to your body right so what how often should we be using it and can you do different multiple body parts in one day if you've got a smaller machine and if you've got a full body panel like me so if I've got my head underneath it it just goes up to just before my knees so if I yep. wanted to do my legs I have to do it a separate treatment so how how often should you or shouldn't you do it you it's it's like anything you can overdo it mm. you know it's like exercise you know it's really good to do you know uh 50 squats you know over the course of a day it's not good to do 50,000 squats mm. you know you you have to moderate what you're doing but I think for most people like 10 minutes like on on the each body part so you might do 10 minutes on your top half 10 minutes on your bottom half in a day is a reasonable dose mm. and doing that three times a week you know you're you're getting a good dose it again the comparison to exercise is is real because your body will also develop a tolerance to the light. The more you use it, you know, the more your body can utilize the light. It's like growing a muscle, you know, your body will produce more mitochondria or produce more light receivers uh, so that you can handle more light. So you, you really have to use yourself as a guide. Some people are very photosensitive and, and some people aren't, you know, and if people have been using panels for years and years, you know, it's probably fine for them to be under it for 20 40 minutes if you've never used one before you might want to just start with a couple of minutes at a time and see how you feel mm. um i think it's quite individual but for most people you know 10 to 20 minutes of a reasonably high power and i would say like 30 joules per centimeter squared something around that you could use it a couple of times a day you could use it once a day like three or four right. times a week that's what I do I do about three or four times a week uh, when I was really trying to heal the jaw I was doing it every day it's 10 to 15 minutes directly on my jaw um once a day so yes. um I was kind of just using my intuition on it but obviously I think it's important that people have the right information about anything that could potentially you know harm them um I'd love to hear about the uh the Sarah Thrive yes so that's this is this is a device that I've kind of come up with in response to doing the study that I told you about earlier, the Parkinson study, because that was, you know, a big old heavy device. And I thought, no, we there needs to be something that people can use at home. And I was looking around, couldn't find anything. I mean, actually, now there are a lot of devices. I should have just waited. But in the meantime, I actually um, have partnered up with uh, a Dutch company and we've developed a, a device that can be used at home. So the Serathrive device, I'll show I'll show you. I've got one here. This just goes across your fore goes across the forehead, and and 
and that enables the light to get quite close on the forehead oh, wow. because one of the things I wanted to do was to avoid hair because hair actually reflects light so you know if you're tr you've got loads of lovely hair you know if you're if you're putting the light there on your head it's going to reflect off and it's going to do all kinds of things where it's not going to penetrate your skull so I think for a light for a brain application to get it on that kind of place on the frontal cortex where you haven't got so much hair is important I also have another light that goes at the back to kind of get that cerebellum or the movement center of the brain. Wow. So this is very specifically thing, developed for brain health. It's specifically for brain wellness. Mm. It's um, we can't say health because at the moment there isn't a brain health category right. because there's just not enough clinical data yet. So I will put it out there for people to say, you know, this isn't something that is going to be recommended by a doctor or the FDA or the the um, the regulations. Don't worry, none opinion. of the things we speak about on this podcast ever are. But but, <laughs> but uh, in like yeah, 2050, yes. everyone will be using those things, so it's all good. <laughs> I, I hope not so far into the future because there are some people doing some fabulous results, fabulous data right now. That there are lots of groups looking at red light for all kinds of brain health conditions, especially the dementia and Parkinson's and um, autism. Mm. Uh, but at the moment, it, we're still in the research phase of that. Um, but also what I found when I was kind of doing this research is, is because the body is so interconnected, especially like the gut brain axis is such a big mm. deal that this device that I've got, it also has a pad this is like the back of the pad that goes on the the gut, the abdomen. Oh wow! So you do it at the same time. You do it at the same so time. You're really supporting that gut brain axis. That's right. There is such a connection between the gut and the brain. Like the and and funnily enough, if you think about the neural pathways between the gut and the brain, there's a lot more information going from the gut to the brain than the other way around. So. The gut is sending messages all the time to the brain. It's telling it, you know, about what's going on with the microbiome, you know, how it's digesting the food, you know, send more immune cells, whatever's going on. So targeting the gut to get to the brain to me seemed like a good idea. And also, you know, you haven't got to get through the barrier of the skull. You know, you have got a direct way to get into the body with the with the gut. So yeah, this is a this is a Sera system. It's a system of devices where you're targeting the brain because, you know, we do want to try and get light onto the cortex if we can, but you're also targeting the gut. So you're getting all of those messages that are going from the gut to the brain as well. Amazing. You just mentioned autism. I know a lot of people find that very interesting, autism and ADHD. Would you recommend children with, auto, with, with uh, autism or ADHD having some red light treatment? Would it help? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there is pretty conclusive evidence now for um, autistic spectrum illnesses that they do respond. And actually, there is a company, and I, I'm afraid I might pronounce the name wrong, but I think it's Jellica Light. We, we can maybe make sure we get it right in your notes. Right, but yeah. Um, but that's a company where they look like they may actually get a medical classification for autism because they're doing some really good um, wow. research using red and near infrared light for children specifically with yeah. autism. But um, autism we've known for such a long time is connected to the gut too. I mean, who wrote that fabulous book years and years ago? Was it N Natasha McBride? Um, she wrote a book a long, long time ago talking about how what you eat and how your gut ferments food 
how that relates very directly to the symptoms of autism so we've known for a long time the gut brain connection there and I know I know that there are parents watching this now or listening to this now because I'm my son doesn't have autism he has some sensory things but thinking but I can't get my autistic child to eat those healthy foods and that's the challenge but I, I think you know there are there are things we can try along the way like homeopathy I know helps to get that kind of um start the healing process there so that the child starts eating more food so that but that's a whole that's a whole other podcast episode on its own whole other episode and i would highly recommend that book i think it is natasha mcbride because she tells you how the body is actually fermenting carbohydrates you know and making us acetaldehydes and all kinds of things and so maybe it's just a case of trying to switch up some of the things in a in a if you have a very picky child mm. you know there are some things which you know are going to be more or less detrimental you can right. kind of work within you know the diet that you have to, to that's work what we with. do I mean we we do I, I kind of choose the very best options of what it is he's yes. eating you know right. so he doesn't do too bad at, at the moment but for instance you know we try and stay away from sugar as when he goes to parties does we, for instance he has naked bars you know like that's his after school chocolate treat so you know, and everything that is, you know, that I'm cooking, even if it's like a jacket potato, it's an organic potato, or I make chips myself with organic potatoes, and coconut oil, and you know, so it's kind of finding ways to give them what they want in as healthy a way as possible. So if it's going to be chips, make the chips or, you know, we, we do what we can. Yeah, um, you're hacking it, you're, you're hacking around it. But there is evidence now to suggest and this is, um this is, the research I'm thinking of is not um, autism, but Parkinson's, because Parkinson's also has a strong gut component um, where they've taken Parkinson's patients who have been given light therapy to the gut and then analysed their stools afterwards and have found that there is a change in the microbiome there. Mm -hmm. So this is potentially a way where you can have an effect on the microbiome uh, without changing the diet. You're just using light to have that. Wow. To change yes well I know that's gonna make a lot of parents very happy as well it's and then I reckon once you start healing the microbiome the body probably then feels happier to maybe eat different foods I, I always think it's like shifting the microbiome to be a bit healthier then when you've made that shift in the stomach the gut itself is a bit healthier maybe the child or the person is happier trying different foods because the gut isn't so heavy with all this damaging microbiome well that that brings up a very interesting discussion about where do our cravings come from anyway is oh. it us or is it the microbiome right. that's shouting out for things i mean certainly people with candida you know with yeast infections crave sugar mm. now is it because they love sugar or is it because the candida are sending the bacteria itself the needs the sugar yeah so when you change the back like if you change the environment in the gut so that you have less candida people tend to crave sugar a lot less. So it's not that people are sugar monsters and that they really love sugar. It's actually, you're getting signals from the microbes themselves that are- The microbes want the sugar, they're the sugar monsters. They're the sugar monsters. <laughs> so that could be the case, you know, it could be the case. I mean, bacteria, I mean, we're, men, we're, more, we're actually more bacterial cells than we are human cells, mm. which is a crazy thought. And of course, they have their own needs and wants. So the more you you get the beneficial bacteria, the more you stabilize what's going on in the gut, you know, the more you're getting the signals 
to your brain. And of course, that's going to change your food preferences. So I think it's like anything, everything's Amazing. so interconnected. You just have to, you have to be holistic in your approach. Yeah. Uh, and just help the body to kind of maintain that balance. And then, yes, behaviours also change. This has really inspired me to get my son on the red light now. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm doing when I get home after. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's Again, this is science, you know, it's direct observation. It's right. trying it for yourself and then seeing if it works. This is this is why I call my podcast Rebel Scientist, because, you know, it's, it's just about trying it and using yourself or, you know, your children, <laughs> yeah. using your children as your guinea pigs. But, you know, trying and seeing if it works and observing the effect. You know, there's so much we can do ourselves just by being more aware of what's going on in our own bodies so that we can see, OK, this is working. This isn't working. You know, like people ask people ask me a lot how much time, you know, a lot of it is enabling yourself to have that like self-awareness that you can start to judge what you need for yourself well we spoke about it you kindly invited me on your podcast the other day and you asked me questions about kind of knowing my body and I said that one of my biggest um I wouldn't call it a gift but a practice that I've developed is the interoception the, the 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 deep knowing of my body the being able to listen to my body and I think it's one of our greatest tools but we don't listen to our bodies and that's why we get sick Yes. And you've, I mean, you've developed yours, you know, you've kind of gone through a lot of stuff and you've had a meditation practice, but I think a lot of people are out of touch with their bodies right now. And, and maybe that does come from this kind of more um, artificial world that we're living in, you know, it doesn't foster that kind of relationship, Mm. you know, being outside in nature and seeing animals and seeing waterfalls and things does foster that kind of connection in our brain. But, you know, being indoors all the time, watching telly, kind of that more robotic way of living doesn't foster that. It is something that we need to relearn. Yeah, totally. Mm. Before we head off, have I missed anything? Are there any like massive things about red light therapy that I haven't asked you? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot. The only thing, the only other interesting thing that we haven't covered is that you can also modulate the red light signal to entrain brain waves. Uh, and again, that's a whole other topic, but we do know that our brains are oscillating at different frequencies depending on tasks that we're doing. And sometimes, you know, f- specifically for different conditions, but also in our own day-to-day, we get stuck in brain states, you know, and so our brains are oscillating at a state that might not be useful, like, um we kind of get stuck in a daydream state or procrastination state and we we're not getting out of it so with with devices like the sarah system you can actually pulse the light in in certain frequencies which can help to entrain the brain into other mental states so you can like for example a gamma frequency which is 40 has been shown to be very very beneficial for people to get into a more focused state if people are having trouble focusing and things so I think that's very interesting um using light not only are you providing energy but you can also by os- or vibrating the light or modulating the signal you can change brain states in that way too so people who who tuned in today and were like red light therapy okay what can it do yeah. and they're like, <laughs> mind blown right now <laughs> Um, okay, I do a little thing called All About You, which is a little rapid fire round. So I just have 
couple of questions for you. And the first one is always the same. Wellness is? Um, homeostasis. Oh, really is. Uh, one wellness practice you know will optimise your life for years to come. So something that you do now that you know will, I mean, it's probably red light therapy, but <laughs> is there anything else? I'm actually seeing the sun first thing in the morning. Right. What I like about that answer is that you, because a lot of biohackers, and I guess, you know, when you kind become reliant on a product or a therapy, we forget the need for the actual natural thing that's giving us life and I think that you know it's so important to actually have the natural sunlight as well like do the red light therapy but get in the sunlight sure um last one what books are on your nightstand right now um well I've become incredibly obsessed with AI because I've been using this chat GDP thing and it's just so fascinating So I'm just reading a couple of books about um, AI. Um, And then someone gave me another book, which is a Neil Seth, a book about consciousness. So that's the right, the physical book that's on my uh, bookshelf. But yes, I've been reading a lot of AI. I've been reading a lot of AI fiction, actually, because it's, I find the topic a bit difficult from a technology point of view. But if you can start to kind of understand it in some of these fiction titles, then you can get your head around a bit, but yes. Yeah, some, something I've uh, I've been holding off on, the chat GDP. I'm just not ready to go there yet. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, okay. I'm, on, I'm, on it. I'm on it for hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll have to check it out. Um, Sarah, thank you so much. It's been, I, I mean, I've been completely in like no pun intended, enlightened by this chat. Um, We'll put all your details in the show notes. Anywhere else you would like people to know about to find you or Sarah Thrive? Yeah, it's just sarahthrive.com. It's spelled C-E-R-A, Sarah Thrive. Um, And then I'm on all the socials so people can find me anywhere. And I'm always open to any questions or I always respond to any messages. I always respond myself, so. Brilliant. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to Recondition today from all the 800 million podcasts in the world that you could listen to, you're here. And I appreciate everyone that takes the time to listen to this podcast. Make sure to head over to my YouTube channel because all these episodes are now fully videoed and you might enjoy watching them there. And I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe on Spotify or Apple and maybe even leave a review and better still, if you could share with friends and family who could benefit from the content. Let's share the love so that everyone can understand how to use an integrative approach to life and health. And for more free resources, visit laurenvacneen.co.uk.